0: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Legacy Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Evangelisti, and today I have another exciting, exciting guest on, uh, Ryan Wright. He's from DoHardMoney.com. Ryan's got 19 years experience in being a real estate investor also obviously a hard money lender, got some different experience back. We were just talking about uh, with uh, education piece, talking about building a legacy, which is obviously the crux of this show. And of course, you know, I think a lot of my guests are extremely excited to uh, continue to build their real estate portfolios. So Brian, I think you're going to be a great asset to the show. Welcome aboard and I'm glad to have you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I'm excited. Absolutely, so Ryan, t- tell us a little bit about uh, you know your background, your history, where you've come from, what got you to this place, and you know why we're on the show today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I was really fortunate, um, kind of along the, the lines of the show um, my My mom and dad taught me financial principles when I was a kid. Um, I was actually just speaking at an event oh, six months ago, and they were talking about some basic financial principles, and it was to a room filled of doctors, hmm. and one of the guys grabbed me, and he's like doesn't this stuff just blow you away? And I said, not really. I learned this when I was nine and he was just, you know, here's a guy that's highly educated, you know, has advanced degrees. And he was just like, I can't believe that. And so I think I was fortunate to do that. And it wasn't like they sat down and like, Hey, do this, do this. It was my dad bought rental properties. He was a chiropractor. He'd buy a property that was undervalued. I would spend the summer improving it. And then we'd rent it out or turn a fourplex into a sixplex. And, uh, and then he'd pay it off and he'd buy another one a few years later and do it again. And, uh, he kind of had this philosophy of you got the two jobs, you got your day job to pay the bills and you got your investment job that builds the long-term passive income and you got to work both jobs. And uh, so I, I learned from that, really. So so I started with that. Um, I've been an agent, um, a loan officer. Um, I've done my own rental properties. Because of my dad's example, I knew I need to get into rental properties. Like, that's I've gotta do that. So I bought rental properties before I even got into real estate school. And I got into real estate school because I thought, that's how you did it. Uh, you know, and from there, did my own investments. And then we helped other people invest and then started lending money. And now we do education and uh, software and tools to make it easier. So I've, I've got, had a Quite the journey,
0: isn't it? Awesome. I mean, it's an, it's an awesome story, and, and I, I I lean back directly on the first thing you said, which is, um, you know, the fact that your parents showed you right, like you know, I think teaching us, and I know you got two little boys, and you know, I try to do this with my, I have two little girls. And I think that, you know, a lot of people, it's, you know, like they assume that, that this stuff is, is, is physically like you're sat down and it's instructed in a classroom or something along those lines, right? But sometimes just the, 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 the doing and showing through doing, like your parents went and bought and they paid things off and they, and they showed you through action, you know, what was right about the, the you know, the financial impact that they were making yeah. on your life, right? So sometimes well, just that activity. Absolutely. And I think
1: a lot of times like money is a taboo subject. Mm-hmm. And in my house, money is not a taboo subject. As a matter of fact, my kids know like my, my seven-year-old knows my net worth. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I said, if you tell someone you're going to be in trouble and I won't share other things with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I share this with you because he wants to know how it works and he wants to know how money works and those types of things. I mean, even like we went on vacation to Vernal, Utah, um, which is dinosaur-like city of the world. Um, there's more dinosaur bones there than anywhere in the world. And um, my, my boy finished, my nine-year-old finished reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And yeah. uh, I quizzed him on it. You know, so I think there is some formal, but I believe the action, you know, you know, teach always and use words if necessary, sure. um, is so much bigger um, but on both sides of it. But I think opening the conversation where it's not taboo, it's like, hey, dad, how much money did you make on that house? You know, I made 30,000 bucks, you know, Hey dad, how much are you making rent? You know, well this one, after you take everything out, we end up with this. Having those conversations, um, I think is, is what, where it all starts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agreed a hundred percent. And you know, I was even having a conversation with my 10 year old a couple of weeks ago on how contract wholesale works and putting the deal under contract and selling that piece of paper and what you can make on the spread and selling a piece of paper. And, and she, and she says to me, can we get on the phone and start making calls to sellers? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm yes. like, you, like talk about this, this uh the testimonial would be like the youngest kid ever to, to do a wholesale deal on the phone. Be so It'd be so cool.
1: Absolutely. It'd be so cool. And just and just <laughs> making that desire, you know, making the desire to learn.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So so Ryan, tell me a little bit about like, you know, something in you know that that launched you to a different level. Maybe it was something that uh, you know, in your past that it, it was a big, um, a big blow that you took or, or some major challenge or obstacle you had to overcome, but something that kind of pushed you past, um, you know, a difficult time in your life that got you to a new level.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm going to go back early on in my investing career um, because th- it's always a challenge. I knew because I had seen the experience of my dad that buying rental properties and long-term holds generated wealth, period. Like it happened. It, it may take time. It may take 20 years. It may take, you know, whatever the case is, but I knew that was the case. And so, uh, I was buying properties back in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And um, similar to like it is today, um, I was 21 years old, um, you know. So, it, similar to like today, it's like, am I overpaying for this property? Like, mm-hmm. I remember buying a property for $85,000 on 5600 West. I think it was 85 grand. Um, and I'm like, I'm, I'm worried I'm overpaying for this thing. I'm worried I'm overpaying. That same house today is selling in the like 300s. Um, you know, so I think having that example gave me the confidence to continue buying even when everyone else was worried, oh no, what's going to happen to the market? And, and as a matter of fact, even when the crash happened in 2008, even then I was worried after the crash happened, I'm like, oh no, should I buy? Because values could continue to go down. Values could continue to go down. And, and I think one of the things that's helped me have some of those breakthroughs is looking at the best case and worst case scenarios. Um, you know, like right now, I'm still concerned. Oh no, what's going to happen to the market next year? What's going to, you know, what's, what's going on? And, and the reality is the fear of the, of the unknown stops people from taking action. Hmm. And those people will just never, you just won't get ahead. So the question is, how can we, uh, how can we package that? How can we live within that fear and mitigate our risks? And one of the things I do is I look at worst case scenario. I say, what, whether this house sold in 2008 and what it, would it have rented for in 2008? And funny enough, lots of times in 2008, rental prices went up in a lot of neighborhoods because people were losing houses and that type of stuff. So if I can uh, analyze those two things, and, and maybe I'm still overpaying from 2008 prices because it may never get back to 2008 prices, at least I know, hey, I'm paying 20 grand more than what this would have sold for in 2008, um, and I, but my rent is in line where it's still cash flow if rents went down to that, yeah, let's, let's move forward with this investment. Um, so I think the key is saying um, figuring out what the worst case scenario is. So rather than letting fear dictate your decisions, you're actually aware it's not the unknown. It's not the big monster that's going to come and get you. You know what the monster is and you're choosing to, to take on that risk and therefore will be rewarded for it in the long term if you can hold the property. And, and right now, if you can hang on to a property, it doesn't matter what values do. If you can, if you can you know, pay the rent or pay the mortgage and those types of things with a rental income, if values go to zero, but you can still make the cash flow, I can assure you that in the next 30, 50, or 100 years, the values will come back. It's just a matter of time. If you look at what's happened with values over the last 30 years, it just happens. There are ups and there are downs, but there's only so much dirt, and we can't make more dirt, and uh, when it's gone, it's gone, and lots of places, there's not much expansion, and so prices continue to rise.
0: Dude, you're giving me so many nuggets. I'm over here taking notes while you're talking because I'm trying to keep up with. Listen, I mean, I think for 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 our listeners, there's so many things that you just said that are so important, and I and I want to reiterate them. Right. So, so number one, you got you got started in the early two thousands, right? Yeah. Right now is is so is so similar potentially to that because you got scared buyers right now. They're saying that. That the prices are getting up, up 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 up, should I be buying right now with the you know, current economic climate softening in the presidential election? all these all these external forces around us is now a time that I should be buying is now is now should I be competing with other people for prices and is there something I should be getting into and, and, and you know for example, you know we got into business really in seven right right before the bubble burst right before everything got terrible and you know and I, from my own personal experience you know one of the things that's kept us successful um, for all these years is we've always had multiple exit strategies yes right? so for one of the things to, to, to tap off of what you were saying um even when we got I, even not necessarily stuck with a property when we probably could have sold it we had enough margin we just decided we wanted to rent it anyway because it is cash flowing asset again multiple exit strategies right It worked both ways um, the rental market skyrocketed after the burst because you had all these people who were living in houses that they probably really couldn't afford pre pre burst. Right? They lost their jobs. They were making you know hundred thousand dollars a year. They went and found a job for seventy five thousand dollars a year. They got put back into the workforce, but their credit was shot because they short. They had to do a short sale, or you know, for whatever reason they foreclosed had closed you know, on. closed on. They lost their house. Now they're back in the rental market, but hey, they can afford you know, $2,000 a month, $2,500 a month for rent instead of the $4,000 a month they were paying for their mortgage, that's comfortable for them. So the rental market stayed really, really stout for years and years up until now. I mean, it's still, it's still huge yeah. in, in New Jersey, right? So, so the rental market always stays strong. As long as you have multiple exits, people need a place to live. So yeah, I think I that's know. that's super important. The other thing is you said, what is worst case scenario? If you protect your downside and you take calculated risks so many people are on the fence and they're saying, well, I don't want to do this deal unless it's perfect. Folks, I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. I've never done a deal that was perfect. And I know you haven't either, right? you never yeah. sat there and looked at a deal and went, this is a grand slam. There's no downside to this deal. There's nothing that could possibly go wrong, right? Yeah. Every deal, there's something that could possibly go wrong. It's frustrating, right? So you got to take action. And, and I think the last piece that I want to point out is that you, you had said again, take action. Guys, taking action, the motion actually stunts the fear, right? When you actually are in motion, that consistency and that action taking is what keeps the fear at bay. It's the, it's the stagnation that, that lets the fear creep in. You know, more and more fear will be compounded the longer you stand still.
1: Yeah, right? couldn't, couldn't agree more. Couldn't so, agree more. I love the yeah. exits. I mean, I love to travel. And every time you get on the airplane, it's like, find the nearest exit, there's two in front of you, there's two behind you, there's two in the thing. And I literally think of that example every time I look at a deal. I was looking at a deal this morning. I'm like, okay, exit one, fix and flip, exit two, or exit one, wholesale, exit two, fix and flip, exit three, rental. What does it look like as a rental? What does it look like as a wholesale? What does it look like? You know, in all those areas, I, I think knowing it, and one other thing that's such an advantage right now that most investors coming in aren't even thinking about is interest rates. Like Mm -hmm. I got into the business when interest rates were 9%. They're currently like three and a half. They're literally 200% less than what I was paying when I first got into the business. And I'm not saying, you know, create a deal by, you know, just by getting interest rates or overpay for a property. Like you've still got to be reasonable. But if interest rates do rise and you've locked in a 30-year fixed rate on something, you have so many more options. If other people are into interest rates at 9% or 8% or 7% or 6% and you're in at 3 or three and a half, you have a whole array of options of seller financing and subject twos and all these different types of things that you could creative finance on an exit strategy if required, if you lock in that low interest rate. And yes, there could be a do on sale clause, but the reality is, is that's a really low risk. Um, It keeps people up at night, but if you're paying the the loans, the banks don't want it unless you really piss them off. Um, And so anyway, there's that advantage as well um, that... that, uh, we have right now that wasn't available when I got started.
0: And let's not forget terms for a second, because when I started out, there was no such thing as more than a five-year lock. Like they wanted five-year terms and reprice every five years. Everything offered to me now seems to be a 10-year plus reprice, you know? So now it's like you're getting getting these longer-term locks. And if you're locking in these amazing interest rates, I mean, could they possibly be this good in in 10 years? Who knows? But, you know, you're riding it out for long enough to pay down that debt. So good chance that ten years from now, even if the prices decline, you're still going to have excess equity to play with because you're going to be paying down that debt over ten years, right? So yeah,
1: and, and on single families, a lot of times we're getting thirty-year, thirty-year fixed terms. I mean, on, I mean,
0: thirty-year am, but I'm talking about repricing, right? So, yeah, no,
1: I'm. I, there's a lot of places we're getting thirty-year fixed for the entire thirty years, no
0: repricing. That's that's incredible. Yeah, yeah it's getting, it's that, insane. That's Absolutely incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Thirty years fixed, no repricing, fixed thirty years done, done, done. Um, awesome. So, there's a lot of areas and it's going to depend on where in the country you are and some of those types of things. But yeah, we can get 30-year fixed uh, right now on, on houses uh, we buy on the long-term.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah, we used to get five-year reprices. So, um, so Ryan, I, you know, we just gave, I think, I think personally, some good advice in the <laughs> industry, right? What's some bad stuff that you're hearing floating around out there right now? Some bad advice that people are giving or some things that you've heard that you just, oh, this man, is great. Don't do that, right?
1: <laughs> Um, I think... Uh, what's the worst thing I'm hearing? Um, I think that people... Common sense goes a long ways. And um, lots of people, I, I think, don't do any of their own due diligence. Um, so I think that if you're buying a property for cash flow, which is fantastic you shouldn't be paying more than market value. So there's a lot of situations out there like turnkey investor, and I'm not ripping on them as a whole, but you have to be careful when you're getting into like a turnkey situation to make sure you're not overpaying. I've seen situations where people paid, you know, a hundred grand for a property that appraisal value is probably only 70 or 60, and they maybe pay cash for it because on paper, the cash on cash investment looks great. Um, I have concerns with that um, I think that turnkeys are fantastic you got to find the right operator you got to make sure you're working with the right guy but I think you want to make sure you're not paying more than what you could sell the property for even if it's cash flowing so cash flows king there's no question but if you overpaid for the asset in this market today um, only to get the cash flow, I think you could find yourself in a bad situation at some point. And maybe not. Maybe things aren't going to slow down. Maybe next year is going to be bigger. The year after is going to be bigger. But I like to make sure that even if you're buying cash flow, you're not overpaying for the underlying asset. Um, even if you're paying fair market today, be careful about that. Um, the other thing that I find in a lot of situations with that is um, be careful of the neighborhoods you're in. Um, you know, one of my over overriding principles is if I wouldn't let my wife walk down the street at night alone, then I don't want to buy there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean it has to be like the the perfect neighborhood. But if I would be worried about something happening to her when she walked down the street um, at night, that's not a neighborhood you probably want to be in. Um, now you may have to start with some more difficult neighborhoods and work your way up. Just keep in mind when you do that, there's so much management intense. Um, You know, a lot of people will bring crappy deals in crappy neighborhoods and be like, cash flows like crazy. Mm -hmm. And I say, well, you're not including things. You're not including eviction costs and attorney's costs. And you're not including the police bill when they show up at midnight and for the, you know, something that happened there. And you're not including, you know, all these things. And so when you're early on, you may have to put up with some of that stuff so that you can develop some capital in that building and then 1031 exchange and upgrade your inventory. Um, but the true cost of managing a property like that, handing a property like that over to a property manager doesn't work um, because it's so management intense. You can't pay someone enough to handle a property like that. If you do, they do a crappy job. They just can't make any money at it. You know, everybody's got to make money or, or they're not going to give any attention. So I'd say those are a few things that uh, are top of mind right now.
0: Yeah, so true. So true. Um, I used to have this uh, saying that. I would only buy houses that I would live in personally. And of mm. course, that, that's changed slightly over the last uh, you know, sure. decade or so. Yeah, absolutely. But I, but I love that you know you wouldn't let your wife walk down the street at night yeah. in, that, in that area because I, I still think uh, easily to this day, my entire portfolio is in that type of category where you got to at least feel safe when you're in the area.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I have I have uh, agents of mine that will go to they'll they'll call and be like, you know, to go to that house, I got to pack a nine millimeter with me, and I'm like, ah, eh, don't go, you know, yeah. I, yeah, no, no, thanks. And and to your point of like, would I live in it? Um, I think that's a great litmus test as well. Even now, it's like would you want to, or would you be willing to? Like if I needed to, I would live in any house that I own right now. Like I would live there. No problem. Would I, would I rather live in my house? Yeah. No, no question. But if I needed to, I could live in any of those houses and be fine. Um, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be my dream house, uh, but I would be fine in any of those houses.
0: And I think the catch is too, right? the ones that I would, I would gladly move in and live in. Those are the ones that are really appreciating, right? Those are like really an A class neighborhoods where not only are you getting cash flow. You're getting appreciation. You're looking back and you're like, man, between the debt, the debt pay down and the appreciation, this house is like, whoosh, like soaring yeah. in value. And literally five, six years later, we're able to sell them and make a big gap. You know, whereas the ones where the guys are like, oh, man, the cash flow is amazing. You're looking back six years later, the thing's worth what you paid for. It, right? yeah. so you get what you get.
1: And I look for the hybrid. I'm not in the A's, but I'm not in the D's and the C's. I'm like the B minuses, or I'm sorry, the B pluses, the A minuses. I try and get the fringe because I want the cash return, but I want the appreciation. I want to be in a decent neighborhood. So that's kind of like my little litmus test. But, you know, while we're kind of hammering the subject, I I think with the legacy, it makes a lot of sense to talk about fix and flips are great, wholesales are fantastic, but that's active investing. Mm-hmm. When we start talking about real estate, uh, you know, rentals or lending, we're talking about passive investing. And uh, you know, a lot of people think, "Hey, I'm just going to start flipping some homes and make money and they replace their current job with another job, but this new job they hate their boss even worse because the boss is themselves." Yes. And um, and then that becomes a problem and that doesn't help them get a, get ahead. It's the whole richest man in Babylon you know, you got to start by keeping some of what you make as your own. And if you can't keep some of what you make now in whatever you're currently doing, you have a problem and more money ain't going to fix that problem because you're not setting aside some of what you make to be your own. So you've got to get in the habits of doing that. And then you can get into wholesales and fix and flips. And then all of that money can go towards your, your long-term investing and buying cash flow, And then you can get into the rental properties and start establishing that legacy. Um, and whether we talk about legacy, passing on to kids or talk about legacy of just paying me for the rest of my life. Um, those things are really important. And it, I see a lot of people get mixed up with those two, not thinking like, Oh, they replace one job for another job.
0: Don't. You know, if you have a job, you know, a nine to five, and you work for a psycho, wait until you're self-employed. All right. <laughs> yeah. Then you start working for a moron. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you, one more thing, I want to touch on. My notes here. You said cash flow is king, right? You, we hear cash yeah. is king a lot of times. And cash, you know, you can have a lot of cash stash aside, right? Yeah. It's, it's not helping you, but cash flow. That piece becomes, you know, rec- I mean, my good buddy Judge talks about how uh, recurring revenue is, is the source of, 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 of all, you know, it, it, it's the, it's the uh, culmination of everything, right? And that recurring rep comes in systematically and cash flow really is a piece of, uh, is, is, is a type of recurring revenue, right? So, you know, I think the listeners, knowing the difference between those two things is paramount to being successful as well.
1: Yeah, it's one of our family rules. When you talk about legacy, one of the things we've done is we've put family rules together. So we have a big thing that's our family rules. And one of our family rules is, you know, cash flow's king, um, equity's queen, and debt's a joker. Um, You know, we don't finance doodads. You know, some of those different types of things are, are family principles. When we talk about carry on to the next generation, one of the ways I'm doing that is I have family rules, and we have a family mission, and we have a family logo, uh, a crest that's our family crest, which is on version number five right now because it mm-hmm. does work. So I'm not in love with it yet. I'm not to the point where I want to like print it on all my stuff and wear it around. I'm, like, we're getting there. But th- those ways I can establish the fundamental principles that lead to success in everyday conversations and, and passing that on to my boys. Um, because what's more, more important, and, and this may be a tangent, but what's more important than money or passing on those things is the principles that got it. That's so much more valuable because the, the money without the principal, you lose it all. Uh, the principal without the money, you can get it all back. Um, and so those things are really, really important to me.
0: I love that. I love that. So I would like to ask this question, but let's just put, let's just put one of your boys in this. Uh, your oldest one is nine? Yep. Taggart's nine. All right. So let's take Taggart, for example. Taggart's getting ready to uh, graduate high school. He's a driven young man. He's getting ready to go out and, and face the world. Yeah. What kind of advice are you going to give Taggart in, uh, you know, say nine years? Well, so um, I'm giving
1: him the advice now. So I want him to buy a house when he turns 18. Um, So both of my boys have a goal to buy a house when they turn 18. Um, So they're saving money. So right now, uh, one of the things they're doing is they're going around and uh, knocking on doors and selling letter boards, those felt letter boards that you can cut out the letters and have the different colors and have the emojis. Um, So you can buy them on Amazon for 20, 30 bucks. They sell them for 20 bucks. I bought them from China, got them in for five bucks, bought cases and they're knocking on them. Um, so they're doing that, but you know, what I'm going to say when he's 18 or 19 or something like that, and it's like, Hey, you know, let's go out and make the world world a better place. Um, the one thing I'm going to say is, you know, do what you love. Um, so I don't really care what my boys do for a living. Do what you love, right? Um, do what you love, but be intentional about what you spend. So I don't think that spending money, you know, if you're into cars, great, buy a killer car. If you're into houses, buy a house, whatever, but don't be into everything. Like decide what you want to be into and do that. Um, And everything else cut like crazy so you can create what we call a personal margin. And then from there, invest. Be an investor always. Um, and I obviously, real estate's the key to do that. So you know, buy a house, put the you know, save some money, put that money towards it. Buy a house. Um, you know, put that money towards it. Buy another one. Start start developing your cash flow. You know, do it a little at a time. The reality is, I think ten houses. If anybody had ten houses and they bought them when they were nineteen years old and they kept them until they were fifty and they're all freaking paid off, and it's going to generate one hundred twenty thousand or I don't know, two hundred fifty thousand, depending upon your area of revenue. You're in pretty good shape. Uh, so, you know, buy a house a year for the next 18 years or buy a house a year for the next 10 years. Um, those are the types of things that, that I'd be saying to him. But, but beyond that, it's, you know, do what you love. You know, if you love, you know, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, he's, he's an engineering mind. So it's like, I'm going to be an engineer. And it's like, heck yeah, be an engineer. Um, that's fine with me. Do whatever you want. Do what you love. Um, set aside some of that money and never forget being an investor is, is something you've got to do to build the cash flow.
0: Awesome, man. I love that. That might be one of the best responses I've had have had so far on the show.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you thought about it a lot.
0: <laughs> uh, obviously. I mean, obviously. So I mean my next two questions I think you're gonna knock out of the charts, right? So so What is one of the most valuable investments you've made? And this can be personal, financial, right? Because obviously, I don't think this is going to go the way I think it's going to go, right? Obviously, I think you're going to take a different spin on this.
1: Yeah. I mean, the reality is the best investment I ever made was on my mind. Yeah. Um, I got to say it. I mean, so we can talk numbers and we can talk dollars. And I can tell you about how I lost hundred grand on a property because it was stupid. And I can tell you how I made... $75,000 on a house. And I can tell you all these types of things, but the reality is if I don't have, I think people walk by great deals every day and don't even know they're a great deal because they don't have the mental acuity knowledge yet to know that it's a good deal. And that's not a put down on somebody because anybody can learn it, but they haven't spent the time. They haven't spent the money. They haven't, gotten with experts to understand how to do it. Um, and the reality is if you want to get somewhere, find somebody that's already been there and say, how the heck do I do it? And you'll be surprised because most people that have already made it actually want to help other people. It's like, I want to help other people. I want to make it happen. In doing that though, I want to get something out of it as well. Um, but I want them to get something out of it. So if you could sit down with somebody that's, that's been where you've been, done what you've done and says, give me the blueprint to do what you have done, that is extremely valuable and, um, and that's going to come with a cost. Nothing's free. It might be you have to buy him lunch and maybe you have to spend thousands of dollars to get that. But the level, I, I, I say this all the time, be really careful who you take advice from. Not all advice is not equal. You've got, to, you've got to filter where it comes from because there are going to be a million people that are going to say, you're never going to do it. It's not going to happen. You know, your mother-in-law is like, oh, man, you're never going to make it. You know, whatever the case is, everybody's going to put you down. Everybody's going to claw you down. Um, and so you've got to decide where the advice comes from, where you're going to take it. I think developing your mind, developing your ability to make deals, developing your skill sets, developing you know, what you're able to do. I think one of the best things my dad did is um, when I was 15 years old, um, he gave, came to me with a business proposition and um, it told me I could, I could, uh, uh, he'd lend me money to buy a carpet cleaning machine and uh, said I'd have to pay him back plus interest, which has been a principle in my life because I make a lot of money on in interest right now. Um, and so I had paid him back, but then I could go around the neighborhood. And so I had a guaranteed client. I had to clean his carpets at of the office once a month. That paid my note to him. And anything else I could make, clean of the neighbors, I made extra money. And I grew that in, my, in high school. I grew it so I had multiple. I had a truck mount machine. I ended up selling that company. But what happened is I learned these sales skills, right? I learned how to talk to people. I learned how to knock on the door of somebody I didn't know and say, Hey, and that's one of the things I tell my boys all the time is like, if you know how to sell, you're always going to be able to put food on the table, period. You're going to be able to put food on the table, no matter what market or anything else. If you know how to talk to people, make relationships, then you're going to be ahead in this world. So anyways, it's a huge tyrant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that was awesome, man. I mean, and, and, and a lot of those things that you said are so, I mean, it, it, we're so in alignment there. It's not even funny, right? I nice. Think, you know, when you, when you invest in yourself, there's no, there's no better investment than the things that you put in your, in, in your, in your brain. And, and I've, I'm one of those guys, that I preach about this all the time. I've spent hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on my education. I never graduated college. You know, yep. I've, I've been to every seminar, I've been to every event, I've been to everything and I still do it to this day. I still go to these things. And, um, you know, literally two hours ago, I had I had one of my friends call me and in, in seven minutes, I helped them make $25,000. And I'm not saying that to brag. I, yeah. I'm saying that because when, when you're in the action and you're doing the thing every day, Sometimes you just have that wherewithal to know how to solve problems and it's, it's from, it's from investing in ourselves to know how to create these solutions, right? It's, it's from being in it all the time, you know? So, it's
1: crazy. Like the college mentality is like go to college, spend a bunch of money, you know, spend 50, a hundred thousand dollars in a college education. And then, you know, you get a $50,000 a year job. But then a lot of people have a hard time spending three grand or $5,000 on a, a course than, on how to flip a property and make a bunch of money. And mm-hmm. it's like, wait a minute, you, you're in debt, 70 grand in college, college debt you've been paying for for 10 years and the investment for, you know, uh, a $3,000 course gets you skittish. Yeah. There's something wrong with this equation here. Um, Warren Buffett has a really good quote where he says, the more you learn, the more you earn. Yeah. And uh, I just, I, I think there's so much truth to that.
0: It's awesome. It's awesome. So Ryan, a couple more and then, uh, and, and then we'll, we'll get into uh, what you got going on right now currently with the education space. Yeah. What are, your, what are your top three? I always say, what are the top three books that you gift to people? Because I'm a big gifter. I don't know if you, you, you gift books a lot, but what are the top one to three books that impacted your life the most, or maybe you give out to people the most?
1: Yeah. Um, I love The Richest Man in Babylon. Um, it's succinct. It's, um, it's a little bit hard cause it's kind of written like biblical. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really like it cause I think if you, if you read the richest man of Babylon and you apply those principles, you're going to do well in life. No question. So I really love the richest man of Babylon. the other one is the master key of riches, uh, awesome. by Napoleon Hill. Awesome yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, fantastic, fantastic book. Um, I really like the master key of riches. Um, and then I don't know, there's so many. There's so many great books that are out there. I hesitate. I'll tell you this, the, the number one book that I hear about all the time, uh, my, you know, people, guests that are on my podcast that I hear talked about, and it really was a life-changing book is, is uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. And um, I mean, I just think it's hard to not say that that's a classic um, that, that needs to be there, but um, it's definitely needs to be in the top, top list.
0: Yeah, three amazing books, three amazing books for sure. Master Key is funny. I, I tell tell people about Master Key a lot and they, they scratch their head like, What's that? Like I yeah. can't believe more people don't know about that
1: book. No, it's fantastic. And I gotta throw a <clears> fourth. <throat> I'm really sorry, but yeah um, Atlas Shrugged. Um that, by I, Anne Rand. I haven't read that one yet. Oh, you gotta read it. So okay. uh so Anne Rand um immigrated or yeah, immigrated from Russia. And um, she was uh, just saw socialism and communism and she saw capitalism and her whole book is a novel um, about capitalism and what happens with interference on capitalism and how it destroys a society. My oldest son is named Taggart out of that book, Um, but Mm -hmm. it's like 500 pages. It's been sold like as many copies of the Bible. It's, it's, it's an amazing book. It's a long book. It takes a bit to get through, but the principles in there are outstanding. Awesome.
0: Yeah, no, I've heard of it. I just never read it. So that's a long it. one. It's a definitely long one. To get a copy. <laughs>
1: awesome. Yeah, do audible. You can get through the audio a little easier. That's not a that's not a promotion for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about uh, do hard money. How, how does it work? What's the process? You know, what's your what's your target audience with that? And yeah. uh, you know, how can they get connected with you on there?
1: Yeah, I think we are looking for doers. I mean, I just can't say it anymore. We're looking for people to take the action. So for us, we've created a system. If you've got the motivation, and you've got the willpower, you've got the strong enough why, and you've got a little bit of capital to get going. I mean, 5,000 bucks, give or take, could could make something happen. We've got a system established to plug people into. We've got Four different softwares, the Next Deal Blueprint, Investor's Edge software. We've got all these different tools to help plug people into. You've just got to take the action, and so we're looking for doers, and um, and then we also have capital uh, that we can we can give you to fund the deals as well. So we kind of created an entire ecosystem where if we can find doers, we're looking for a few good men and women. But uh, you know the old military saying, um, we're looking for a few good few good people that are want to you know strap strap on the. The uh, work ethic and go make some things happen, and we've got a pathway that has
0: helped a lot of people have success. Awesome. So within that ecosystem, education, training, uh, potential financing for the deal. Yeah, yeah. Most of what we
1: have is we're we're really software heavy. Um, we've got a lot of um, we've got a lot of tutorials and videos and that type of stuff as well. Most of it's uh, self help. We do have you know you can chat or give us a call and that type of stuff. But we're not like one on one coaching, sitting down with somebody. Um, we don't have for any, right now, we don't have any mastermind program where we get together. Those types of things, those things are valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you can't afford some of those types of things, we're probably a more economic solution to that. Um, but it's going to take more discipline on your part to put some of those principles to action because you don't have the, the accountability um, like you would have with a coach or some of those things. Uh, so anyway, we offer um, those, t- those uh, services so people can take advantage of, you know, learn as you go. You've got to put in the time. And then we also have funding resources where you can fund deals. Uh, kind of our big fa- uh, claim to fame is getting started with little to no money down. Um, we'll finance purchase, we'll finance the rehab, we'll even finance the closing costs as long as that's all under 70%. And if it's not, we work on business partners, creative structuring deals, lines of credit to try and come up with that. And if we can't do that, then you're going to have to find a way to come up with some additional money. Um, if it's over like say 70% of the ARV, otherwise our, our big thing is to try and get you as much money as possible so you can get investing and leverage, um, and get some of that cash so you can start building your own cash
0: flow. Awesome. Awesome. Um, anything I missed? I mean, we covered a lot of topics I feel like. Anything that you uh, wanted to cover that I, I didn't ask you? Oh,
1: I mean, there's so much to talk about. We could talk real estate yeah. all day. I mean, we haven't even talked about like deals um, or anything like that. And, and that, that's probably good because the, the deals are a, the deals are a byproduct Of getting your mind in the right place, getting your education in the right place, and then the deals just come. Uh, It's amazing because I find so many people are like, oh, I'm having a hard time finding deals. I'm having a hard time finding deals. What are you doing to find deals? Well, I talked to an agent and he just hasn't found me anything. It's like, that's not called finding deals. Like, get off your butt, go knock on some doors, just knock on doors for the next two weeks and tell me if you can find a deal. I bet you'll find a deal. Um, So it's, you know, luck is when preparation meets
0: opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, cool, Ryan. Well, you know, it was a lot of fun having you on here. I think we got through a lot of information. I think you brought a ton of value to the uh, to the crew today. And um, you know, if you guys are listening, uh, make sure you go check out Ryan at dohardmoney.com. Any other contact info they should find you at Ryan? Yeah, um, we've, I've
1: got one of my books, How to Get More Money You Can Ever Handle, a Real Estate Investor's Guide to Funding Deals. If, if you want a copy, we saw it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all that stuff. For your listeners, we'll give them a free copy, a digital download if they want it. Awesome. Um, just go over to dohardmoney.com backslash so legacy-blueprint. So legacy-blueprint, dohardmoney.com backslash legacy-blueprint. And you can download a free copy of that if, if anybody's interested. And then, you know, love to have you come check out uh,
0: Income Hacker as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. And as always, guys, if you if you love what you're listening to, if you love the value we bring, please go into iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment. Every week, we pick a winner. Ryan, would you do a, uh, a 10-minute coaching call with somebody if we pick a winner each week?
1: Oh, you bet. I would actually do a 45-minute coaching call with someone. 45-minute coaching so, call. There you go. Yeah. So, so, I do a thing called Coach's Corner and we sit down for 45 minutes. We start with um, where you're at, what your experience is, what your why is, what your goal is, and then where you're stuck. And I don't like people leaving that call without having like, I have a path to, to go that gets me to the next step. And, and that's a good point. Like lots of people are thinking too far ahead. Like you need to have big goals, but you also need to say, what's the next step? Because as you take that step, new steps open. So don't overthink it.
0: 100%. There you guys go. So 45-minute coach a call. Make sure you guys leave the five-star review. Leave a comment. We'll pick a winner as soon as this podcast gets released the first week. We'll make sure we reach out to you guys directly. you got 45-minute coach a call, Ryan, so make sure you leave the five-star review. Ryan Wright, thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate you, man. My pleasure. Awesome.